0: Our scripture reading today comes from Genesis 27, 26 through 29. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Striebeck. So sometimes when we're reading the scriptures, I think it probably is clear to us if we're honest with ourselves that if you and I had written the Bible, all right, let's just back up and kind of start the whole process and say that you and I were in charge of that. And we were dropped in a time capsule back into the ancient Near East. And it was our job to learn the culture and write the stories that would really capture the hearts of the people and would make them want to believe in the God of Israel that would spur them along to follow and become the people of God. We would have searched for, or we would have made up stories maybe, a little flourish here and there, and we would, have, we would have just picked the perfect model families, you know, and we would have just made it all look nice and pretty and had our rulers out and our little charts, and it would have been all nice, and we would have made everything go perfectly for God's people. You know, no suffering, none of that, We'd just let's make it go smooth for them. And just as long, you know, everybody that that believed in God, everything was smooth and life was great. And then the ones that didn't, you know, they had the hardest time. Well, we find in the scriptures, of course, the story of our ancestors in the faith is nothing like that. It's nothing like that at all. We find instead a collection of accounts where the weak and the unlikely become the strong and heroic. Perhaps this is so in order that we might learn to imagine to believe in the reality that this is God's story and that it is in this story which is God's story where we may find our truest selves not by living mistake free and having everything go perfectly for us but rather by hearing day after day and week after week and year after year the story of God's persistent unwavering blessing, and how unlikely people such as you and me might receive and become this sort of blessing, and that by our doing so and our becoming so, God actually sees fit to bless the world around us. The story of God, the story of God entering into human history by creating The heavens and the earth and creating everything that we see and by creating us humanity is a story of harmony it's a story where everything works together for the good right God surveys everything that he's made and he is blessed three times and he says it is not only good but after that seventh day is very good it's all very good When I think of the word harmony I think of like many of you the musical term harmony I I did not grow up in a singing family much. Uh, We mostly listened to Paul Harvey and Market Reports in my dad's pickup, so we didn't ever get to hear a whole lot of music. Uh, But when I met my wife, Amberly, we, you know, I had had never heard someone sing harmony before just going through a normal day. And I I just began to realize I'd been missing out on this beautiful part of music where I could hear these harmonies. I still can't sing harmonies. I can hear them and I appreciate them. And and it just added this whole dimension to life. But everything works perfectly together. The notes all line up and one thing emphasizes the other and highlights the next and it's all harmonious. That is God's creation. But we follow the story just for a moment and we realize that quickly the story took a hard turn into disharmony. And we begin to choose our own way, fight for our own sort of rights and prideful way that we would do things and it turned into this disharmonious way of being away from God and estranged from God, estranged from ourselves, estranged from our neighbors, and the story gets really hard really quick. So the rest of the scriptures, certainly the rest of Genesis, the rest of the the Pentateuch, the first five books, the the books of Moses, and then the whole rest of the Christian scriptures, Are the story of God bringing the world back into harmony with himself. And the strange way that he chooses to do that is through a people that will become known as the people of God. And in our day, that would be the people called the church. And God will bless those people. And it is through and in the blessing of those people that the world will know that there is a way to be in a harmonious relationship with God. That's God's big plan, his big strategy. And so we begin to participate in God bringing back relational harmony to the world, both with God and with one another. And we do this by participating in and receiving and becoming the blessings of God. Uh, this is, starts with, with Abraham in a way. It goes on to Isaac and the story that we're in now with Jacob Uh, because of, God tells Isaac, and as with Abraham, you will sojourn, you will wander in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you, and in your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. All the people groups of the world will be blessed in the way that you are blessed, and I will put my mark on the people. I will relate harmoniously to all the nations of the world, all the people groups of the world, and I will do this through by blessing you, and it will go out from there. Now if we're honest this morning, do you and I, do we, do we think of ourselves as those who were called to be a blessing? I mean, do we put ourselves at the top of the list and go, yeah, I know that's why I was put on this earth, was to become and be a blessing, to receive God's blessing by our participation in the life and the story of God to bring the world into harmony once again with God. I have to say that if we feel unlikely, which I often do, or unfit, that reading the stories of Genesis reminds us that we are in good company, we are in good company. And so let's turn to the story that comes from where John read for us this morning in Genesis chapter 27, the story of Jacob, the story of the God of Jacob. And we turn to Isaac's beautiful and very dysfunctional family. (laughs) this is I don't know any other way to say it but you start looking at the manipulation and all the things that are happening here and the favoritism and I'm like we would that's that we would just call that dysfunctional today that would be the psychological term so you know that's the big shocker as we grow up as realize we all live in dysfunctional families Um, so thank you Jacob thank you Isaac thank you Rebecca for reminding us that we this is you know pretty normal isaac is old and he his eyes are dim and not only can he not physically see but when the scriptures when the hebrew scriptures talk about our eyes being dim they're telling us a little more than just that they can't see they're telling us that isaac was not seeing things well that something in his soul was not quite right he's not seeing the whole picture there's some unhealth in isaac's soul at this time in his life and he he's he's considering his death He obviously doesn't know when that's going to come, but he knows it's going to be sooner than later, and so he calls to Esau, his older son, and says to him, my son, and uh, Esau answers and says, here I am. He says, behold, I am old. I don't know the day of my death. Now I want you to take your quiver and your bow because you're my favorite son and you're a great hunter, and you know that game that you bring me when you feed me sometimes, and I love it so much, that delicious food. I would like for you to go out and find some of that delicious game and bring it back to me and we'll feast together and I'll eat and then I will bless you. I will give all the blessing that is within me. I will bestow it on you. We're going to eat and drink together and then we're going to do that. That way I can bless you before I die. And this is a common story and takes a few unique twists here. And so Rebecca, the beautiful, wonderful, conniving person that she was. And I I just love Rebecca in the story. She's listening to Isaac and and overhears what he says to uh, Esau. And so she quickly gets to work with her favorite son, and, you know, we always talk about how Jacob's a deceiver, and he plays this out very well, and it starts out, and that, that, you know, it looks like it was just destined to be that way, and Jacob makes his own decisions and does his own stuff, but it is his mother that sets this whole thing up, all right? She orchestrates the whole deal. She overhears Isaac talking to Esau, so she calls Jacob in and says, hey, Jacob, I overheard your dad talking to your older brother that you already stole his birthright and uh, we got we're gonna go one more we're gonna take one more step here in this deception game now um, I want you to come I want you to do everything that I tell you to do just listen to my voice and do everything I tell you and everything's gonna be fine and we're gonna go and we're gonna send you out there as though you're Esau you're gonna bring me a couple of goats I'm gonna dress it up fix it up your dad won't know the difference I'm going to make it taste delicious, and he'll think it's the wild game that Esau always makes, and it'll be a wonderful family meal, and uh, it's going to all work. And Jacob's objection is not that he thinks this is, you know, lacks integrity. He's just afraid he's going to get caught. So he says, Mom, uh, I think Dad's going to know that it's me and not Esau, because Esau's hairy, and I'm smooth. And now, th- th- it's, it tells us a lot about Jacob that that's his objection. The other thing that I miss in reading this in English, and because I don't you know, have a Hebrew background, um, I, I, there's some humor that we're really missing in the stories. So I called my friend Kurt this week, and Kurt has a Ph.D. in Egyptology. And I don't know anyone else who has a Ph.D. in Egyptology, so it's kind of fun. I text him, I say, Kurt, I could really use five minutes from someone with a Ph.D. in Egyptology. Do you know anybody? And he laughed, he called me the next day, he said, what can I do for you, Ryan? And so we talked, and I said, this Jacob and Esau story, I mean, I'm missing something here. There's some language in their play and back and forth. And he laughed and he said, you know, it really is for the reader of the Hebrew, I mean, a Hebrew reader. When they were telling these stories to their kids, this is a funny story. Like it is an ironic, hilarious story. Basically, he said, when, when, when Jacob says, you know, Esau is this hairy guy. And, and earlier in the story, we hear that Esau is red. That means that he spends time in the sun he works outside he's the man's man you know he's what all the guys grow up wanting to be and here we have Jacob that likes to stay home and hang out with his mom and he's smooth and he's yellow he's not touched by the sun and that's the whole deal so it's kind of a funny story it's setting them up to think oh my gosh surely not this Jacob guy like he's a big old softy You know, he doesn't even know how to work outside. His old hands are soft and no calluses, and this can't be going anywhere good. And so there's a lot of humor mixed in. And uh, Rebecca has a plan, though, and she says, you know, you're right, and your dad would know that it's you, but I've got a plan. Just bring me what I told you to bring me, and we'll take care of it. So, of course, she puts the the goat skin and the, the hair on his hands and his neck, and they set it all up, and, and then we kind of move to the next scene. And, and so they bring, he brings the goats, and they fix up the meal, and everything's ready, and they eat, and everything's good, and uh, the delicious food. And then Isaac calls Jacob in, he pulls him close, you know, he smells him, and he feels his skin. And he gets to this point where he says, You know, it's funny because it, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And they reassure each other, and they have this moment. And he says, now tell me who you are again. He says, well, I'm Esau, your firstborn. And he sneaks it in there. I'm your firstborn son. Uh, I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game. And Isaac hesitates again. He says, gosh, how did you find the game so fast? I mean, I know you're good with a bow, but how did you get it all done so quick? And Jacob, just being brilliant, he says, well, you know, Dad, it's the Lord your God that took care of us on this one. God just blessed us and got it all fixed up right right? And it's, everything's going to be fine because the Lord took care of us and granted me success. And so then Isaac says to Jacob, okay, we'll come near, you know, I'm going to feel you. He goes through the whole thing and he verifies what he thinks is his oldest son Esau. And then there's just this moment in the story where he just simply says, so he blessed him. He gave him that deepest, richest blessing. And then he asks one more time, are you really my son Esau? And he says, I am. And he says, well, come you know, come here again closely. Let's eat together. And they ate and he drank. And then he rolls out this beautiful blessing that was read for us earlier in the service. And you can just hear an old man smelling the garments of someone who works outside. And if you've worked in the field your whole life, and Isaac was a good farmer, you know, everything worked for him. He was blessed in his uh, well digging and his growing of crops and all these things. And you can just... Imagine the scent of a son and he's smelling the fields that he's worked in his whole life and it's that scent that comes in and he just gives everything he has to his son Jacob thinking that it's Esau. May God give you the dew of heaven, right? It doesn't rain a whole lot here, but may the dew be strong and rich. May the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine be yours. The people will serve you. Everything's going to go well for you. If someone curses you, may they be cursed. And anyone that blesses you, may they be blessed. Isaac is giving Jacob the blessing of security, and prosperity. He's giving him the blessing of authority that everything will come underneath his lordship. It is a very moving scene. And then the last scene of this story is. It just happens immediately after. As soon as that scene is over, we can just see the camera turn and Isaac has just finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had just hardly gone out of the presence of Isaac that Esau shows up. And Esau had been successful in what he was told to do and he brings the game in and he begins to talk to his father and Isaac says, what are you doing here? And if you are Esau and you brought me what I asked then who was this guy that just came ahead of you? and Esau figures out really quickly what's going on and as soon as he heard the words of his father he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry right he just loses it and says to his father bless me also father can you not bless me it was and he says well your brother came deceitfully and he took away your blessing and Esau says that that just figures you know he's named rightly it's just right that he's named Jacob because he's, you know, he took my birthright and now he's taken away my blessing. And we go on a little later and, and Esau just lifts up his voice in weeping, weeping, weeping in the bitterness. And it's interesting because Esau and his wife, when they got married, for some reason that the text doesn't tell us, all they really bring to Rebekah and Isaac is bitterness. They, they're, they're bitter in the family. And now Esau is lifting up this bitter cry and that story takes a bitter turn. It's a tough story. But it's a story that reminds us about the strength and the endurance and the persistence of the blessing of God. That when God has called us to receive and become a blessing, He is able to deliver on that promise. He is able to work that blessing through a series of unlikely generations and people because God is so passionate about restoring harmony to his people with him and to his children with one another. This is a story that we would have never, we would have never made up this story. That's one of the reasons I think sometimes we're reading the Bible and we go, this story has to be true because it's not the story we would have told. That's not the story we would have chosen to highlight the attributes of this God that we worship and extol together and so as we consider what it means to be blessed in the old testament understanding of blessing and it was you know customary that this blessing would follow it would be mountains were very very big part of the blessing story Mount Gerizim in particular and so when people God's people are up on a mountain you know we can expect uh, that if things are going well that, that there's a blessing there And so I think it's no coincidence when we turn in the New Testament to Matthew chapter 5 and we begin to see Jesus has begun his ministry and he's calling his disciples together and he's preparing the people of God for their next step on what it looks like uh, to be the people of God. And Jesus saw the crowds and he went up on a mountain. And he began to teach, began to talk to the people. And he said these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As you hear that list of blessings that Jesus pronounces, it's a series of unlikely things. It's a series of things that we don't often want for ourselves, for our children. But we realize that as the people of God, this is one of the ways that God is restoring harmony to the world, is finding us and meeting us in our mourning, in our peacemaking, in our poverty of spirit. And as we become different people through those processes and practices, the world sees that there's a God who cares about that stuff. The world sees there's a God that loves them too. And as we, unlikely people that we are, live in that story, other people are drawn to that story. And that's the beautiful story of blessing that we've been called to, to receive, and become and be that blessing in the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.